Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Jessica Evans, and she is an Idol Academy alum, but there is so much more about Jessica and who she is and where she comes from. So Jessica, would you do a better job of introducing yourself? Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to speak with you and just kind of give you a little bit about my background and my story in instructional design and the journey that I've taken so far. So I just leading it out of the gate. My name is Jessica Evans. I'm from a small town in Colorado near Durango. I do work completely remotely, which allows me to actually grow, grow my children in the hometown that I grew up in. So working remotely and instructional design has allowed me to, to do that. So I come from a long line of educators. My parents were both educators and administrators. And that just cued me right up to walk into a classroom. So I did start out my career as a classroom teacher and specifically with a special ed background. So I did all of the things when it came to running a general ed classroom and then bringing in kiddos that had special needs as well. So did that for a couple of years. And then I had an amazing opportunity to go be an instructional designer at my local university. And so that just was an opportunity that presented itself. I was probably at the time not qualified for it, but I jumped, I did it. I put myself out there and really stretched myself for that position. And they allowed me on campus. And once I got in the door, I, I showed them who I was and my work ethic and what I was capable of doing. And they welcomed me in. And that was a huge blessing and really the start of my instructional design career. So I worked in higher education for a couple of years as an instructional designer, just helping faculty, running the LMS, doing all of the things that an instructional designer does and all the many hats that they wear in the higher ed setting. And then it was time for me to have kiddos. So I had the opportunity to step away from that position, but I couldn't turn off that part of my brain. So I started doing some freelance instructional design on the side, and it was really something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to kind of branch out and be my own boss, do my own thing. And so I did. And over the, the next couple of years, like that just flourished. I was able to get connected to a couple of people that really allowed me to uh, showcase my abilities and my hard work. And that just opened up door after door in the instructional design world to be able to be a freelance instructional designer. And then while all of that was ramping up, I did take your freelance course. Oh, that's um, right. That really helped me. Yeah. And that was huge because like, I didn't know about all the forms and taxes and contracts and setting my own rate and all of that. So that was the course that I took with you and your team. And that really is what catapulted me into where I'm at now. So you are, uh, so that I got it all wrong. You're not an Idol Academy alum. I think I'm just used to that. You are, you went through the e-learning freelancer boot camp. Correct. Me and Christy Tucker and Nicole Papiano. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you'd already been in it and then 
and then you went into the course and did you change directions or what what happened as a result of the boot camp taxes it sounds like <laughs> well those are st- i'm still learning those that's a new ball game every day but yes no you you provided so many resources in that course so many templates so many just how to approach people with a contract and setting my own rate and having services and So that just really opened my eyes to this world that exists out there. And I took all of those things, I adapted them and made them my own. And then I put them out into the world and started using them. And just knowing how to read a contract and and making sure that everything that you need to have in there is in there and setting a a rate that is appropriate for what you're doing and where you want to go and how you want to grow. That was all extremely helpful. What kind of people do you serve right now? Like what's what's your business mix look like? Right now, it is a couple professional associations. So those professional associations provide training to their members. And what started out as just a simple course consultation, they just wanted me to come in and say, hey, would you just look through this and give us some feedback? You know, I did that. But then I also took it one step beyond the feedback. I said, hey, this is all great, but this is what we need to do and kind of over-delivered in that situation. And and they didn't... And something someone told me once when I was first starting is a lot of times people don't realize they need instructional designers and all of the skill sets and the way we look at things. And so I saw that as an opportunity to come in and really take it one step further than just a simple course consultation, but really give them some steps and some actionable tasks that they could do. And when they saw that, they're like, oh, this is way more than we can handle what are you doing? Can we hire you? So that just opportunity led into something much, much bigger. So I have that. And then I also have a few small businesses that I am working with those individuals to help just add another stream of revenue into their businesses by creating online courses and trainings and digital products and just kind of opening up that window of their business. So... Yeah. So I imagine that being an individual contributor as an instructional designer in higher education is vastly different from what your job and skills look like running your own shop, if you will. And so what are some of those big differences? What was kind of the, how did you get started to begin with? I know you went on maternity leave. That's also how I started my business full-time, by the way. And so something about being a mama, you know, just gets you real yeah. focused on those big dreams and goals. And so what what was it? Like, how did you really kind of open up your solopreneur career and your business? And what kind of, what did that transition look like? So at first, like I said, it was always something I've wanted to do, but I just, it was hard to make that leap. One of the things that I really try to do and and helped me out was just building those relationships. It, working in higher ed, I worked with a whole variety of different people. And a lot of the faculty and the staff that I worked with, they not only were they professors or teachers in the university, but they were doing their own things also outside of that outside of the university. And so I really, it all comes back down to the networking. I built relationships with them. I was interested in not only what they were doing for our university, but what they were doing for our community and outside of the school. And honestly, a lot of my opportunities today have come from building those relationships back then and just planting seeds and 
and kind of giving to people. And then it's all kind of turn around and come around full circle. So really just going out of my way to build those relationships with people has in turn allowed me to really be successful. And then same thing, one of those relationships turned into a major opportunity with this professional association. And now I have a whole relationship with a lot of the members of that association. And it's amazing what is coming from those individuals too. So I think it really boils down to just networking and and learning about people and what they have going on. And then not offering yourself in a salesy way, in a pushy way, but just offering your insights as, as instructional designers, as educators, we have so much insight into people that I think it really helps when you can key in on what makes people unique and what they have going on. So That's so interesting. So it actually came out of your network that you had as an instructional designer. They said, oh, Jessica, I know you like doing XYZ. I've got a company over here that might be interested in your services. Was it something similar to that or how'd that conversation happen? That and then they just, they saw what I was doing and they saw what it was doing for the association and that ability just to make a difference and to be visible to other people. Yes, I'd like to say that a ton of people are visiting my website and they find me that way. But a lot of it is just through my quality of work and me working hard, oftentimes over delivering and giving them more than what they expected that knocks their socks off and it just kind of comes around and people see that people recognize that so that's been my biggest quality i guess to say your business is living on referrals yes ma'am and those are wonderful so yeah yeah there's actually quite i think there's quite a few people specifically in this space where a lot of their work just comes from referrals have you ever plucked a client in another way other than your network or is it all referrals I have. I done the whole, you know, put my inter- my resume out, do the interviews, all of that, and I picked up a few small contract jobs here and there. And I have to say, my favorite work comes from referrals, which you know, <laughs> they're my people. They've seen what I do. They already respect the work that I've done. But going out, finding those those opportunities on LinkedIn, originally because of my higher ed background those are the ones that I was going after just because it was comfortable and it was easier. And so I would say that like LinkedIn jobs was a very frequent thing for me for a little bit, but I, I quickly decided that me investing in my work and my relationships with the people that was more fruitful and more rewarding. Yeah. I bet a lot of people have a lot of fears around becoming a freelancer as an instructional designer things like the roller coaster of invoices that you have to ride. And what are some of the things that you've done just to kind of overcome the worries that people have, like to get your business on track? I guess you've got gotten enough referrals. You went out and got contracts. Well, is there any other insights there? So there's a meme I've seen recently where there's a lady and she's freaking out and pulling out her hair and her husband's like, hey, what's wrong? And she said, hey, freaking out, which is part of my process. I know I'll figure it out. So that's been kind of me through this whole journey. And if you ask my husband, he'll say, I'm, I'm on that roller coaster probably more often than I want to admit. I have these moments of great stress and I'm pulling out my hair, but I know that that's just kind of part of the process because I will figure it out. I know that by showing up and working hard and producing quality content, even though it is stressful in that moment, 
eventually it will work itself out and, and be worth all of the stress that I put into it. I'm extremely lucky to have a husband who works hard and has allowed me to stay home with my kiddos and allow me to grow in a safe environment. And so I understand that that's a huge blessing for me and my family. But at the same time, I bust it. I bust my tail to get work done, to go out and find these opportunities. And once I have an opportunity, I just really try to make the most of it. So my word of encouragement, I guess, to people who are out there trying to try this freelance instructional designer thing out is just stick with it. Grab every opportunity you've got and just give it your all. There were a couple opportunities that I took on that I I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And I was in that phase of pulling out my hair, but that didn't stop me. I, I picked up some a book. I hopped on a podcast. I researched something, watched a million YouTube videos to learn. How do I do this? How do I take my skills and my abilities to that next level? So just, just keep moving, keep working, keep learning. That growth mindset is a huge part of this right now. And then just learn from every opportunity. I did have one instance where it flat didn't work. The contract I landed and the and the client I was working with, it just wasn't, it wasn't working. And for me, that was a huge learning opportunity because I'm not one just to stop. Like if this isn't working, I quit. Like I just don't do that. And so that was a huge opportunity for me to really step back and figure out how I was going to adjust and how I was going to recalibrate the situation so that it was best for me, but also best for the client. So there's just so many opportunities within this to learn and grow and adapt and don't be afraid to shift and pivot too. So have you brought in anybody to be a subcontractor for you or come work for you or with you? What's that like? I have in a, in a few ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole other learning thing, but it is quite a thrill. And it's so, I'm so proud to be able to bring people in to do work with me. I'm in a situation right now where I am, I'm training someone up and they're taking over a lot of the jobs and tasks that I was doing. And I I am energized by that. It's just so exciting to, I had this opportunity, but now I'm, I'm allowed to bring in someone else and give them the same opportunity. And so that ability to kind of, you know, there's a country song that sings about, they turn around and you pull up the next person behind you. I just, I love that thought of like, you know, I'm, I'm busting my tail and making good things happen, but I'm also going to make sure I turn around every once in a while and pull someone up behind me too and make sure that they have a learning opportunity and they have a chance to grow. So that's been really exciting. And we're not even going to talk about taxes when it comes to that. Well, how did you find that person? Through a relationship. Yeah. So just had an opportunity to work with her and she was new to instructional design. And so the two of us just jived really well together and I was able to teach her a lot and she was able to help me organize my creativity in a way that made it just easier to get a lot done. And so we had to go apart for a while just because our jobs took us in different directions. Life took us in different ways. But as soon as I had this opportunity to bring her on, she was the first one First one I thought of. So again, it all comes back to those that networking and those relationships that you're building with people. Where do you see your business going in the future? Like what's your what's your vision? Ooh, well, it's exciting. I've got lots of big changes on the horizon. 
I am doing a little shifting in my priorities. So I'm going to start focusing more on my business side of the house. And like I said, I'm passing off some of the tasks to uh, to my friends and really shifting focus onto my side of the business and growing that, developing that. I had a vision for it back when I was on maternity leave, but I got so busy doing work that I haven't had a chance to revisit that. So this is the year of growing my business and my brand and what that means and and what I'm going to provide in that structure. I also have another opportunity where I'm going to be helping a business grow and putting on a few different hats there. So I'm growing my own business, but also helping another business grow as well. So there's lots and lots of learning ahead of me. I'm also in that very uncomfortable stage right now where all of these changes I'm making, I know are for the best, but it is extremely uncomfortable just because I don't know exactly what I'm going to do every day when I wake up. Before with the instructional design and developing courses and all of that, like I knew all that. It was easy to get up and go and do that. But I recognized that it was time time to make a shift and to start stretching and growing again. So so have me back in about six months and we'll revisit all those growths because I hope to be a little less uncomfortable with all these changes by then and be really rocking and rolling again. So. Yeah. And it just kind of reminds me too, Jessica, about the book. It's called E-Myth. Maybe you've picked it up along your journey or something, but it's like when the baker opens a bakery, they do it because they love baking. When instructional designers open up their own business because they love doing instructional design, but they just all the business aspects are just foreign to them. And then you get to a certain place where your bakery is growing and you have to learn how to do all of the business things, which Kind of sounds like where you are. (laughs) It's exciting. It's exciting stuff, but I know I have a lot to learn. So, but that's just part of the process. I think a lot of people are probably interested just in kind of hearing more about, well, what are some of the like more tangible steps that you would give somebody if they wanted to move out of their full-time role and into owning their own? own business or being a freelancer in the instructional design space, what are some of those steps that you would give them or advice that you would give them uh, for them starting out? So I would definitely say that if you don't come from an educational background or have a training in instructional design, that you do get some sort of training. I know your academy is excellent with setting up people with getting portfolios and just knowing how to navigate the whole landscape of instructional design. So I would definitely say that, especially with how busy everything is getting in and how many instructional designers are coming into the industry, like definitely go out and find yourself a program that can set you up to have the foundational skills you need to be in this field. And so I know that you've got a lot of exciting things going on with your academy and all of that. I would definitely recommend something like that If you're already coming from a background in instructional design and you already have that training, you already have that in place and you're ready to step out and start start your own business or start doing contract work, I would definitely, like I said, I've kind of said this throughout the whole thing, start building those relationships, start reaching out, finding opportunities in your community to start doing work. And I was one that I always had, you know, my fingers out feeling for things. I didn't make a clean 
just jump off the cliff. You know, I didn't jump straight out of the classroom. I had something that I rolled into. So I was always building and fostering what I had in the moment, but I didn't let that just stop my vision past it. I was always looking for something next or looking out to the side and seeing opportunities that I could start participating in. And so I'd really encourage people just to don't get blinded in your current situation, your job, start looking out past it and finding opportunities. And then the boot camp that I took with you and your team was, was outstanding. That really helped me make the jump from this is something I kind of want to do to like, oh yeah, I can do this. This is the thing that people do and they do it really well and I can do it. And so again, just finding the people that have been doing it and learn from them is a huge help. What do you think is the biggest thing that you wish you would have known at the beginning that you know now that helps? I would say don't be afraid to ask. And to kind of speak up, I was very much when I came into it, I would, you know, I said, Hey, what do you want me to do? And they're like, Oh, do this. And I would go do that, but I would be going, Oh, what about this and this and this? And so I very, like at the beginning, I was very timid about asking and, and really stretch. I don't want to say stretching the boundaries in a disrespectful way, but like I said, sometimes a lot of times people don't know they need an instructional designer until they've got one in their pocket and they're opening up the window to opportunities. So don't be afraid to ask about, what about this? Bring this in. Have you thought about this? And stretch those boundaries of what is expected of you. And then I would say just the second part of it is don't be afraid to dream big. And, you know, I look back and I've I've had my business name now for about three, four years now, but really, really working in it for the past two. And I think back three years ago, if I had just done that thing, I wanted to do, it would be amazing today. So really, if you have something in your pocket that you're wanting to work on, just do it little bit by little bit. The progress over perfection is something I say to myself every day because I am a perfectionist, but just make little progress every day and you'll be amazed at what adds up over time. Yeah. It's those like one inch gains, you know, those daily one inch gains, they add up so much quicker than just if you sit there and do nothing, but actually it doesn't help you at all. But if you just take those little inches or that 1% and it really is about outlasting in business, right? It's not necessarily about like being the best brand or X, Y, and Z. It's like, can you outlast the rest of the people? And that just requires what you've talked about. It's hard, but it's it's exciting to see like now being a couple of years into it, being like, wow, all of those things I was doing, it's adding up and it's paying off. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. So what is your best and final advice for those that want to become an instructional designer? If instructional design is a field that you are playing with the idea of getting into, I would say go for it. There are so many opportunities out there right now, and they're only multiplying day by day for people with any sort of instructional design interest to get into the field. I'm a very creative visual person, and so I'm seeing opportunities daily where there's just so many op- like chances to come in and make these very visually appealing, very beautiful learning opportunities. And it's just, there's so much out there. So don't think that your background, no matter what it is, is going to dictate that you can or cannot get into instructional design. 
I think no matter what your background is with the proper training, you can definitely find a spot in this world of instructional design. Yeah. And I mean, even just bringing up what you said that you actually are building training for professional associations, just another avenue that they need instructional designers that people may not have even considered or thought about or the businesses that need to create a new line of revenue. What are they turning to? They're turning to online courses, which is exactly what we build. So Jessica, it's been such a pleasure coming and listening to your journey and being a freelancer from higher education all the way to now you run your own business as an instructional designer and you were even a former teacher. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I loved having you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.